Welcome back. It's another episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm your host this week, Alex Cohen, and to listen to all past, present, and future episodes of Unwritten Rules, make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. Fun episode today from Marquee Sports Network, anchor, sidelines, hosting, yeah, your utility player, basically the Ben Zobris of Marquee Sports Network and new lead analyst during all Iowa Cubs TV games. Hello, Elise Meneker. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, Alex. I'm good. How are you? Good to see you again. It's good to see you again. I'm doing great. Probably not as good as you, but I mean, that, that that's pretty tough after the week <laughs> that, that you've had, but I, I am doing just great. Um, right now for you, first full season of baseball, uh, at Marquee Sports Network, fans at Wrigley Field, Cubs at the top of the NL Central, absolute bedlam. Uh, what's it been like for you? Yeah. I mean, ever since I started at Marquee Sports Network, it's been a lot of fun. And then you add, you know, all of these elements now, and it's just kind of like blowing my mind, uh, just how much more fun it could be. Um, (laughs) so, um, because it was interesting, you and I talked about this. So my first day at Marquee Sports Network was the day sports stopped. So I flew out to spring training to Arizona, like 48 hours later, I was on a plane ride home no one knew what was going to happen or what kind of was before us or ahead of us. And so now just kind of like, as you described that, even just to think about it from that moment to, to now it's been a whirlwind in the best way. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I think uh, even through the pandemic, it kind of all just works out how it's supposed to. And I think that's just kind of where I'm at with things is really just probably even enjoying it more and you probably feel the same way yeah. um, just after going through the pandemic and with where we're at now. Yeah, you really can't take things like that for granted, covering a baseball game, yeah. doing your normal media duties with fans in the stands. I'll tell you what, it, it's been a lot of fun watching you at Wrigley, interacting with players, interacting with fans. Um, also, it's been fun talking with you, uh, meeting you when, when you came to Iowa last week and you were, you know, you're finally your debut lead analyst on Iowa Cubs yeah. broadcaster, Marquee Sports Network, lead analyst. Yeah, that's, yes. a, that's a great ring to it. Uh, <laughs> can, you, can you tell us how that entire process took shape? You know, when did they let you know and um, how excited are you for that opportunity? Yeah, so I'm absolutely thrilled. I could not be more excited for it, quite frankly. And it was an opp- opportunity that was presented to me. And I and when it was presented, I just said 200% yes. I'm all in. I would love to do it. It's something that I've been working towards that I've wanted to have happen. Of course, I do softball analysis for Big Ten Network. But now to be able to do it for baseball, uh, it's just what I love to do. I love to talk baseball. Uh, you and I are both very passionate about the sport. And so to get to share that with fans and viewers, is probably the best thing about it. Um, And so pretty much I told you as soon as I could. And from there, you and I together, I really saw it as like a team effort. It's just, you know, the the world I work in is I prep. I'm I'm just then, you know, all about the assignment, making sure I'm prepared. And you helped a ton. We were um, on the call with, or, you know, you called me with players so I could talk to them over the phone before I got there. Uh, And then when I did get there, it was nice that I was there a couple of days before so I could get settled in. You and I could meet, talk. I could see how things kind of go just the lay of the land seeing the park even seeing the players in person which is always huge and so it happened 
quickly, but, and I feel like now I'm like, okay, like I can breathe. I feel like, you know, uh, we did it. We did our first game. Uh, but then there's also still the excitement factor of you want to do more. You're like, okay, so when's the next one? Like, let's do it again. Yeah. Let's Um, look at the schedule and see where that TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now that's just kind of how I approach it as anything else. Just, you know, like, um, I, I try to stay prepared. I'm listening to the games, even when I'm not in Iowa and just making sure that I'm staying on top of things. And, uh, it's fun because too, a lot of these guys are getting called up to the Cubs. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, with you being so busy, I mean, we had, we had a game a couple of days ago, Michael Hermosillo hit a home run. He said, Hermosillo home run. I'm like, don't you have anything better to do? Like <laughs> the, the answer is no. You are exceptionally prepared. And, and I told you this before you're you. a prepared yeah. broadcaster I've worked with, but I mean, you've taken that to another level on a Friday night in Chicago saying, Hey, you guys <laughs> are playing well. I'm like, go get a drink, go eat dinner. <laughs> No, I just like, I watch baseball. That's all I want to do. You know, like, uh, no, that that is, I mean, it's just, I enjoy it, you know, and it's, it's almost kind of given me to at a time where things can be so in flux during the pandemic to be able to know, like there is a baseball game on tonight. I can watch that. And it almost kind of gives you, I'm a scheduled person. Yeah. So it kind of gives you a schedule. Gives you, you can put that in your Google doc at seven. Oh, I write it all down, Alex. I still have a paper book notebook planner wow, I am that so 1999 of you wow, really <laughs> yeah whatever it was yeah uh, you talk about that process of talking with me on the phone talking with players on the phone coming down to principal park early you were able to take in three iowa cubs games you, know, you called one game did research and prep for for the other two you took a run around des moines you had an iowa yeah. like sandwich you talked to tommy <laughs> Burke to the des moines register you're basically a native at this point i love it but i mean i don't know if right. you knew that um <laughs> but, but what were and i guess are your your initial impressions of des moines and, and iowa you know, I loved it. Uh, so it started with the drive there. I drove the first time. It was a little bit longer of a stay. So I drove and uh, five hours, which I told you was kind of calming. It was really the first time I've traveled for an extended period in a long time. I did at some football games in the fall, but this felt like, I don't know, just because maybe it was like, you know, a few days, it felt a little longer and more like a trip. And then uh, in getting there, I, I think it reminded me a lot since I've worked in local TV and moved around a lot. It actually reminded me of when I worked in Decatur, Illinois. And I really liked that there was like a path to run on. So I always find paths everywhere I live. And so it was no different in Des Moines. Like a sidewalk, not crowded with people. It's great. Yes, yeah. yes. Like they can bike and run on. It's like meant for that. And I love when towns are conducive uh, to that kind of stuff, like the active lifestyle, which you said Des Moines is very active. So that yeah. kind of made me happy to see like all the bikers. They, and the they are. I'm not, but they are. Sure. Okay. So other people are active on their yeah. bikes. <laughs> um, and it was like 90 degrees even the morning at running, but there's still people out there. I'm like, oh good. You're like, me you like running in the heat and the humidity um but it really felt there was kind of like this homey feeling for that reason even principal park like the moment i stepped into it uh i love seeing new baseball parks but knowing that you know this is a place where i was going to be working and calling games again there was kind of that homey feel to it that you can kind of settle in here and uh, i think it's a beautiful park i love the family atmosphere um i just you know it's it's all really well done there and i saw too what is it the beer bats yeah they're coming yeah. back so there you go I no, mean- it's fine. we can just put water or like throat coat in there i'm talking uh, for fans right I'm, i won't not, be not participating the beer bats but i know fans are really excited about that stuff so 
Yeah, just like it's a fun family atmosphere, and I feel so lucky to be a part of it because this is all where it starts, you it know. Does. Like the young, yeah. the I say the younger, but the lower levels for baseball. This is where guys go through. You you took in the entire stadium. You're not just saying that on the surface. I mean, you walked around. You got your yeah. steps in. You sat in the you know in the bleachers in right field. I mean, you didn't just take a step, and you you pencil dove into the minor league life. Um, yeah, that right field. I love that area. Uh, once I went out there, I couldn't move. And I was like, this is where I'm going to take in the rest of the game. I think it was like the seventh inning. And I was like, yeah. yep, not moving. I like this spot. Uh, it was fun to just be able to stand out there and get a different view um, and to just enjoy it. Cause it's so rare these days where you feel like you can just take a moment to take in the game. And as you know, as someone who calls every game you're working um, and while it's fun work uh, it's not often that you get to just sit and watch. And take a uh, so exactly. So that's kind of, I use that out there in right field to just kind of, you know, take a moment and really take it in. And because it's such a beautiful park, uh, it really, it made it enjoyable. Like I, when I use the word calming and peaceful, like I really mean it. Cause that's kind of what it was like when I went there, it just kind of felt nice. And it felt right. Now yeah, I asked yeah. you what your favorite part of a principal park was. And you answered that very, uh, took the words right out of my mouth and, and I couldn't agree with you more. You can't wait to see it full too. With, you know, you know what I mean? Just with yeah. all the fans and stuff. Yeah, there, there's a certain whirlwind component to this, and you brought that up. Yeah, you know, let's do a play-by-play of your first Iowa Cubs experience. You know, that game was on a Thursday, right? So you drive to Iowa from Chicago, five-hour ride. You come to Principal Park the next two days, and you essentially scout both teams. You talk to players, you talk to coaches, you talk to managers. And, and it wasn't like you were sitting in the stands for all three games with popcorn peanuts and a beer enjoying yourself you were working Thursday full day you provide like a bunch of press hits you talk to a lot of people you call the game with me games ends at around what 10 10 30 p.m get out of the ballpark five hours later you're on the road you're heading back to Chicago five hours in a car right to Wrigley work cups Cardinals that afternoon first game at Wrigley Field full capacity since 2019 <sighs> I'm exhausted <laughs> just reciting that uh, I can't even imagine what it was like for you actually living it. You know, take us through those I mean, three days. Uh, did adrenaline at some point ever just take over? Take oh, 100%. I think all Friday, it was all adrenaline. Uh, but it's funny because even as you describe all of that, I'm like, let's do it again. Like, that was awesome. Um, because it was all really fun, exciting stuff. And I think when something is new too, there is an excitement there and that's too an adrenaline kicks in. Um, but that's also how I like things. I like to be busy. I like to be on the go. I told you I was a scheduled person. So almost when you describing that, I feel like it kind of gives me a schedule. You know, you just- That have gives you a routine. The <laughs> answer routine gives you a routine. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you create the routine. Uh, but even like you were saying, just getting to the ballpark a couple of days early. So knowing that, you know, we had things we were doing each day before the game. So uh, just knowing like, okay, let me even, I think it was just the day of the game Thursdays when I like went on that jog, I wanted to make an attempt, not just because I enjoyed being active, but to see a little bit of Des Moines and to take like a breath before that game. And so that was kind of my way of doing that, that morning. Um, but 
Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I think because that's how I love it. You know, you say all that and it was a whirlwind and I, and in the best way, and I would do it all over again in a second, because they were also to me, like such significant events in my life that I'll never forget. You know, I even posted on Instagram that, you know, it was a week I'll always remember. And I meant it. Um, that for sure was a week that I will remember forever because it was my first game as a baseball analyst. And then first game back in over a year at Wrigley field, full capacity, like goosebumps moment when you hear the crowd there. And then it was one of the most epic games on top of it that yeah. you will see uh, and that people will remember forever. So it really was just, you know, um, so memorable. I was going to say like the perfect storm, but I'm not even sure like, you know, everything coming together like that, but yeah, um, yeah just fun, just fun. Wow. What a stretch. Uh, again, yeah. a whirlwind start to Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Be sure to listen to all past episodes and subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. Elise Maneker from Marquee Sports Network. It's been quite a journey to get you to this point, but you're covering baseball in a city that you grew up in for a team that you grew up watching. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, just on the surface, has there ever been a point over the last year you've been able to, as you say, take a breath and, and basically say whether you're in your apartment or at Wrigley Field or at Principal Park, just sit back for a second and say, holy crap, I can't believe this is actually happening. So it's funny you say that because I get so caught up in work sometimes that I'm just in such work mode, maybe as an athlete, you know, you're in the zone, uh, that sometimes it doesn't click or it doesn't sink in. And so actually, I think it was probably, you know, maybe something during the pandemic, because I feel like there have been times at Wrigley where I've actually wanted to tell myself just for a split second to take a step back and appreciate it. Because I don't think I've done that a lot throughout my career. And so I've wanted to do that more. And so because of the situation, like you said, I feel so lucky to be living in my home city, covering my hometown team. These were moments that I want to, because I know I appreciate them. I want to just take those split seconds sometime to appreciate them because you can get, we just talked about like the whirlwind of a week. You can get so caught up in that sometimes that you forget just those little things that you value so much. And so, yeah, there have been moments this year. I just take a quick step back and I, I appreciate it and I love it. And then I go right back into doing it because I love doing that too. Was one of those moments meeting Bill Murray. I mean, it's <laughs> not, it's not just baseball it's being up in the press box and seeing the various characters that come up there and sing the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field and you posted a picture of of Bill Murray and I was so jealous I mean Eddie Shack is my favorite all time you post a picture with Bill yeah you you look at that picture like oh my god like I I just hung with Bill Murray like yeah now that was the moment I definitely was not like that did not sink in I just was like I want a picture with Bill Murray I happen to be doing an interview uh where he was sweet. So um, I, that's, I took a, a quick picture with him, but he is such a character and he's so funny that like, I was not like, oh, wow, meeting Bill Murray. I'm like, I'm just listening and laughing. And then I don't think it was until like, I posted the picture that you forget like, oh yeah, it's Bill Murray. It's like, Bill Murray. You know, like don't put it into perspective and to people like, right. oh my God, like that is like the best Saturday Night Live you know, cast <laughs> ever, ever. And like, has been doing movies for 40 years and it's like right. a legend of comedy. 
Yes. And as someone, I love comedy. You know, I did Second City in yeah. Chicago improvisation um, and sketch classes. And so I so appreciate that industry and that field and to do that. And so to meet someone like him, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Though that's for sure the moment that you're like, you don't realize it until after. No, Think about it until after. Well, you do comedy, you do baseball, you're an Ivy League student. What what don't you do? I said you're a utility player. I mean, you really are like busy. No, I like to be busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, to start off this entire journey, you went to New Trier High School, North yeah. Shore, Chicago suburbs, standout athlete, two sport recruit, tennis and softball. But you also did some stuff in media, school radio station, pretty big there in New Trier. You did your homework. Look I at this. Did, I did. I did. <laughs> did you know at I guess at that point that sports and media is what you wanted to do or, or at that point you just wanted to talk without getting in trouble in class. <laughs> yeah, I was never getting in trouble in class. And I mean oh. that I was like the goody two shoes, always getting my homework done. Oh yeah. Oh, well, that's um, good. That makes one of us. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, right. You can handle the other side. I got, I'll get the, I'll get the grades and yeah, I, I obviously like to joke around and stuff too, but in class, I'm all business. Okay. Um, no, I actually did not know at that time. So the only reason I got involved in the schools and my high school's radio station is because of my sister. So she was program director. I thought it was cool. And it was just something for me to do outside of sports. Cause I, I have always liked to stay like well-rounded and not always just be focused on one thing. And even that, when that comes to sports, I didn't focus on softball until college. Um, and so that was something I just do with my friends for fun. Our show is called just the two of us. And I think that, yeah, exactly. I think that was like the song at the time. Yeah. So. Oh, podcast. Um, you'll enjoy that, that musical interlude. Yeah. yeah. Choir either. Brought to you by Alex Cohen. Um, and so that was really just something I did for fun, which I'm glad I did it because so often now I feel like in quote the real world, I feel like after college, everything just becomes the real world. You're working on, you know, for me, I've always been working on my career. So it was, you know, looking back. I'm glad I just did it for fun. And it wasn't because, oh, I want to, you know, work in sports one day, because at that point. I actually thought I wanted to be a fashion designer and design clothes and be Me like, too. I know. Right. They fit, they fit right into you know, what my career aspirations were. <laughs> so at that point, yeah, it was just a, a fun hobby that I, I follow. She's my older sister. So I was just copying my older sister as she led the way she's still in radio. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up. Uh, I mean, she is an entertainment reporter, so not in sports. Have you guys ever thought about like flip flopping, you know, she does baseball and you do entertainment and see where it goes. Yeah. The answer is no. That's a hard no on that because while I love reality TV and I feel like I could, you know, in some areas hold my own, she does not follow sports. She is not a big sports person. Uh, so she, I don't think would have any interest in switching or flipping whatsoever. Uh, but she tries, I give her credit. She tries, she'll ask me questions, you know, especially if they're, you know, Cubs can, there can be big things happening. So on the radio, she'll want to maybe make sure just check with me, like, you know, where they're playing and who's pitching or anything like that so yeah so, so she handles the entertainment the game, I she might not know exactly what you're talking about but she does support sports even though she's not a sports oh and being in our family yeah she's we're always around sports we're a very athletic um just sports family it's just that she you know went the entertainment around she's always loved that and quite frankly she's very good at it and um i'm glad that you know she found you know what she loves to do and pursued that yeah, you talked about that big sports family. So you work 
in sports. Uh, yeah. Your brother is a sports agent. Your dad pitched in the, or played in the minor leagues and, and at some point attempted a comeback later yes. in his years. <laughs> yes, I told uh, you that, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she doesn't like sports. You really had no chance. You, you, were, li- you were liking sports from the get-go. I mean, that was it, it seems like. And she played volleyball uh, in high school. Okay. But then um, it was actually when she got into the radio side of things that she just kind of left sports behind and stayed on that track. And things um, developed pretty quickly for her. She's worked in Chicago her whole life and um, has developed. She's Showbiz Shelley. So if you listen to Chicago radio, that's the name she goes by. Her name is Michelle. So I always call her Michelle. Um, but, you know, most people know her as Showbiz Shelley. And, um, um, everyone in my family has just kind of followed their passion. So it's all very just by chance, you know, that my sister and I are both in media. My parents, they were in media as well. But again, we were not following or they didn't encourage us even to go this route. They just encouraged us to find what we love. And so that's what the three of us did. And that's where we are. Yeah. Well, you certainly are cultivating that passion. You're doing so very well. Getting into the seventh inning stretch of this episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Make sure you listen to all past episodes and subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Check us out online at iowacubs.com. All right, Elise, standout athlete. Went to Cornell University, Ivy League, four-year starter on the softball team. I can imagine you learned a lot about yourself in that time and just the game in general. Do you think those years helped you prep for you for what you do now, talking baseball for a living? And then is there anything specific, whether that is talking with coaches or teammates or just, you know, the the process of working your way through at bats and games that helped you the most? Yeah, so good questions, because I think uh, I actually it kind of worked out where I didn't really know what I wanted to do until going into my senior year, because I never saw softball as like let me learn because I want to do this. And it was, there was never the point of anything beyond, I love the sport and I want to play it and I want to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Now then as it's, you know, become my job to talk about baseball and it was a sport softball that I played. It's only now that I start to pick apart the things that I did, or I saw teammates do to help translate to what I see and to better my analysis. And I think by playing at all levels with a lot of different types of people. So from playing at Cornell university to in Sweden, um, it really opened my eyes to, like I said, not just being on different teams um, and being a leader on those teams, which I think is important, but also the skills that people had in learning from your teammates and why certain situations worked or didn't work. And when I say situations, whether it was actually a moment in a game or a certain player, maybe something that I take that a teammate did. So now is when I start to put together all of those things that you're talking about. It's, it's only as I reflect and look back, because quite frankly, I think there's even still now things I'm like, oh, yeah, like I could bring that up because I did that. Or as I watch a player, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I did things like that. And so now I can relate. And that's how I try to bring, you know, the analysis to life is because I think the more you can relate and understand it, of course, then you hope that viewers do, too. You just brought up playing professional softball overseas in Sweden. I, I can't <laughs> say I've ever heard that before. I don't know much about the competition or the reputation of European professional softball you lived it what was that experience like 
Yeah. So it was the opportunity of a lifetime. I played there one season I was there for four months and I was looking to playing in the States, but actually just as I looked ahead and the opportunities there, um, there was also a chance to go abroad. So when you play in the States, there's, you also have to have another job. It's, it's great. Um, and, and a wonderful opportunity. It's just something that I looked at the abroad factor as well. Well, I could also play professionally and have this chance to see another part of the world. And so I took advantage of that. Um, and I, you're called a foreigner. So there's two foreigners on every team. That's the Americans. And uh, it's not often that a position player um, there's this, cause they're usually looking for pitchers and catchers. So I felt lucky that, you know, there was a spot and I absolutely love the team I played on in Sweden. It was a town called Hovda. So it's spelled like Hovda. 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 Yeah. A little roll the H. <laughs> right. Two dots over the O that I think create that pronunciation. And um, I'm still friends with everyone I played with. I still keep in touch. I'd like to go back it, before the pandemic. It was something I was thinking about doing. And obviously it's gotten delayed, but I still do hope to go back and, and see um, my friends there. And we played in the European Cup. So my team was national champs. The year I won, I believe, was our fifth straight year winning the national championship. So you're going around Sweden playing different teams. And then if you win, you go to the European Cup, which was awesome because at the time, softball was not in the Olympics anymore. So that was like the closest you could get to the Olympics. And so that was one of the cooler experiences that I had was um, going to the Netherlands and playing there and the European Cup and seeing other Americans on other you know, foreign teams yeah. who are going through the same thing you are. Yeah, you said that it helped fill your void when it comes to, you know, studying abroad. Because, yeah, I studied abroad in Barcelona. And I certainly was not as productive as you were playing professional softball. <laughs> uh, my trip it was, was fun, was right? That was a fun, like, productive in a softball sense. But you probably learned a lot, no, when you go abroad? <laughs> I, have to, I mean, I learned how to travel and, like, book my own flights and, like, speak through, like, Spanglish. But... Um, okay, well, I, I, yeah. I learned, I've learned more Spanish working in baseball than I did studying abroad, yeah. you know, definitely speaks to, I want to uh, learn Spanish. That's going to be yeah. my goal in the office. I tried to learn during the pandemic. It's very hard to teach yourself. I yeah, tried to stay with it. It's difficult. Not easy. Speak French so I can pick things up, but yeah, I would do want to learn Spanish. So you're in Sweden and you're there for four months. Outside of softball, were you able to travel around, favorite city to visit, favorite thing to eat, favorite person to meet, favorite experience? What do you got on that? Yeah, so I got to go to Prague, which was amazing. I got to, I mentioned the Netherlands, went to Amsterdam, um, also went around Sweden. I went to Paris. There was a stretch, I think it was a week after the European Cup that my mom came out and visited and we went to Paris. I told you I speak French. I love France. I love Paris. So we went there and um, it was some, that is something that I think, you know, in the moment. I love traveling and I love seeing new places, but I don't think, especially during the pandemic, I realized how rare those, you know, situations, experiences um, would become. So that's something that I think, especially having just graduated from college, I think there was such a transition phase in my life too, like getting used to not being in college anymore um, that I, I look back and I appreciated it, but you know, man, to think about what I had the chance to do, I I'd probably appreciate it more now if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
so one of the cities that you brought up was was Amsterdam, and everybody gets the reputation of Amsterdam being like a party city for a multitude of different reasons. It is a beautiful city it with is. a lot of architecture, and it, it is. is a walkable city, and everybody's friendly, again, for those multitude of different reasons. But uh, Amsterdam, low-key, one of my favorite cities I've ever been. I agree. I completely agree. And you and I talked about um, the canals, the yeah. bridges. Sweden has a lot of canals as well. Yes, very pretty. Everything, of course, is walkable. Um, I totally agree. Great, great place to see and visit. Walkable. All the places I mentioned, I would totally recommend. You also went to Prague too, right? I, I went to that? Prague. Yeah. I was there for uh, one of my friend's 21st birthday. So I can imagine my trip was a little bit different than yours. <laughs> yes. Um, but I love Prague. The only issue with Prague was it was like 42 degrees and rainy every day. Oh, yeah. So since I was there in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about bridges. Yeah. Of course, they're very famous for their bridges and the huge clock tower um, that's in the middle of the square. So clock a lot of tower and carbs. That's what Prague does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Gotta eat when you travel. Yeah, I think um, it's funny too, because food, Sweden. So when, I feel like when you go to Paris, you think of like the you know, bakeries. Yeah, baguettes, sandwiches. Yes, or Italy, you think of like pasta or, you know, all trying all of that. But I feel like the places I went to, there's nothing that sticks out to me food-wise. Like, I don't know if there was something you tried in Prague because I feel like they're not places, they're known more for like we were talking about, like their architecture yeah. and culture. I At least how I think, I think like of them. Brat, I went to like a brat stand that was yes, the sure. biggest brat I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> or gelato is always so big. Yeah. Right. Like stuff like that. But yeah, I think I was so at that time. Yeah. Cause I'm a, I'm a big food person. I'll, I'll try like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love trying new food, but honestly, when it comes to that experience, it was more the experience, which I guess is a good thing, right. That I'm not just talking about all the places I ate. <laughs> no. And you're, but you're also like, you're trying things out. You're not just going to like the local subway and McDonald's. Oh no, yeah. I love trying. Food. I love. Yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, final moments of the episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. We took a left turn. We'll bring back to the straight and narrow. Uh, one more time, make sure you listen to all past episodes of subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Check us out online at iowacubs.com. A couple random questions here. So you play professional softball in Sweden. You come back to the States and you work in TV news. And for those who don't know, it's an incredibly tough industry. It's an incredibly isolating industry. Away from home, not always focused on sports. You talked about living you know, in the middle of nowhere, in Decatur, Illinois, then getting closer to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. How did you decide you wanted to go that route? So an internship in Chicago. So the summer I mentioned how I knew the my senior year of college that I wanted to go to television. And it was because of an internship that I had the summer leading up to my senior year. I interned at ABC here in Chicago. And it was the moment I got to cover Mark Burley's perfect game. So it just so happens I was working as an intern that day. And just so happens I was sent to that game. Not even, you know, as we saw things unfold, I went there for pregame to get sound. I actually, it was probably I think it was the only game that summer I sat through just because it was timing wise where we could get pre and post game sound that day. So I happened to sit there with the photographer and enjoy the game and kind of get a sense of what a day would be like for a reporter. 
And then we're starting to see how things are unfolding. And so the rest is history. I actually was on the field after getting sound, interviewed Dwayne Wise after what I think is still one of the best, if not the best catches of all time. And I was in the locker room. And so it was that moment I called my parents after and I was like, okay, this, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. They said, this is the best day ever. And they were like, you know, and I said this in the article uh, with Tommy, but just how you know, they're like, this isn't going to be every day. And I was like, that's okay. I will take it, you know, the best and worst and everything in between. And so from there, uh, I just started to, as you know, put together a demo reel, they call it of video clips that you send to news directors and to stations. So I started in local TV. I worked in Columbia, Missouri, Decatur, Illinois, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I actually started my career as a news reporter. So, um, it's not that common for, um, you know, you hear people maybe go from news to sports or sports to news. I was someone who went from news to sports. And quite frankly, that's just, you know, where the jobs were. And so those were, I saw it more as getting experience. Always was trying to work on my sports craft while getting the television experience. Live TV is something that, you know, just takes getting used to. And when people tell you, especially in this industry, to get reps, that is what they mean. So that's what I felt like I was doing there. Put it all together. And I truly feel I wouldn't be the sports reporter I am today without that news background. News is tough. I mean, you were talking about your time in Columbia, Missouri, off the air with me. And it's not just like, oh, like these PTA meetings. Like it is hard hitting news, robbery, shootings, crimes. It's heavy stuff. It, was there a point in time where you're just like, man, like I miss sports. I miss softball. I miss the camaraderie. I miss like what I know. Was there ever like, a, I got to get back to sports. Like I miss this stuff. So the whole time I wanted to do sports. Okay. So even when I was took the news jobs, it, it I still wanted to do sports and I was going to do whatever I can. So especially in Decatur, I'm so thankful for that opportunity because my news director was so understanding that even though I was a news reporter, he knew I had the goal to do sports. So any chance I could, he allowed me to fill in for the sports anchors. I went out and shot football highlights. I did sports news stories. I had a sports news segment when I anchored the morning. So you can see like all those pieces come together but I have a ton of respect for news reporters because to your point, it is a grind every day. You're typically covering stories. You know, what I miss was just smiling on air because uh, typically you're doing stories where on air, you don't, you know, it wouldn't be right to be smiling yeah. as you're talking about um, certain topics. And so um, that's kind of what, you know, it was just my thing is I wanted to, um, to me, sports are fun and I wanted to be able to translate that um, and give that to viewers as well, which you can do in news. Everything is not doom and gloom, um, but a lot of the time it can be. And so for me, yes, that was always kind of the, um, it was making sure that I was doing a good job every day at my assignment because I felt such a responsibility for the viewers um, to make sure that I was giving them the information that they needed, but knowing that personally, um, I still wanted to pursue my goal of working in sports. So you go from Columbia, Missouri to Decatur, Illinois to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're getting so much closer to Chicago and bigger markets. Um, and over the time that you were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you're doing some stuff with Big Ten Network. Then yeah. you get the marquee job. Um, how did the marquee job come to fruition? I know that it is a new network starting a year and a half ago. Um, how did that happen? 
So I, the minute I heard the Cubs were announcing a network, it was something that I had my eye on and something that I was pursuing because I really thought that it could be a great fit, not just because it was my hometown team and because it was Chicago, but because I love baseball. And so it was a chance for me that I could, I felt really pursue. And you talk about being able to do what you love. I mean, this job encompasses all of that. And so it was something that I just didn't give up on. And I, I just tried to, you know, contact whoever I could and just, you know, do whatever I could um, to get this job. And I felt like too, um, for people who are in this industry or are thinking about getting into it, you know, I don't take for granted the opportunities I had before because without Columbia, Missouri, without Decatur, Illinois, without Milwaukee, Wisconsin, without Big Ten Network, um, I feel like it all was a culmination. Everything kind of works towards where you are now. And they say, trust that, you know, trust the process. Uh, the Philly native in you <laughs> knows yeah, that all well, but that is, you know, I really see it. It's not just a, a, a moment or, you know, it wasn't by accident. You really work to put things together. You have worked a lot around baseball at the minor league level, and you probably feel that every place has helped you to get you to where you are. So, um, yeah, I, I feel so lucky. Um, to be able to do this job, like you said, you know, there, it's a grind, you know, you, you, you work through it, but it's the passion and the love. I always think that kind of gets you through it because every job is going to come with adversity and hard work. And that's going to always come with the territory, but it's always rewarding in the end. Do you remember where you were or who you were with when you got the call from Marquis or the email saying like, (laughs) I'm coming home. Like, Um, so I, I think I was coming home from the gym, shocker, me and my active lifestyle. And I think that I, I had the number saved in my phone, like Mike Santini, um, or it was a number that I it recognized. If it wasn't his, it was like a 312, you know, like a Chicago Almost number. Like possibly Mike Santini. <laughs> right. have that on an iPhone and you, and you go green. I have my Android, right. Um, but I picked it up and I was right outside, uh, my apartment where, where I lived at the time, there was an L right <laughs> near it, like an L stop, but I had to pick it up. So, um, I eventually like, I made it into my apartment where I was then just like talking in my lobby, uh, where it was like a little quieter, but yes, I think that's why I remember it because I also, the reason I didn't go upstairs is I didn't want to lose them in my elevator. So <laughs> that's why I like stayed outside and downstairs, wow. but I wanted to take the call. Yeah. So I do remember it. Um, and I, I just, yeah, it was a call that you, I, not just for what I described that you remember forever, but I was probably, if anyone saw me smiling ear to ear and I was just so happy and thankful. Who was the first person that you called afterwards? Oh, my parents. Yeah, yeah. My mom and my dad. Yeah. They've been through it all with me, you know, um, just they've, they've known the whole path that I've been on from throughout local TV, um, from news to sports, but also knowing that, um, just like I said, everything has kind of gotten me to this point. And I don't, you know, I, it's for me, just the beginning. I mean, look at the exciting stuff now with Marquis getting to do the Iowa Cubs games um, and just the memories that I'm already creating at this network. So um, yeah, it's special. It's, it's fun. Uh, you probably feel the same way when you, when they say, you know, love it and it doesn't feel like work, you know, it's the truth. You don't go to work feeling like, you know, oh man, you're ready. You're excited. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To go to a ballpark and that's our office. That's the best. Can't beat it. 
you talked about marquee sports network being you know a, a family of sorts and i felt that you know during your first game where you know mike santini you you brought him up and you know, there were other people from marquee sports network who came to principal park and watched you debut and they came into the booth after the game and and mike looked like a proud father almost i mean he was just smiling and 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 you guys were having a very you know, jovial nice conversation do you feel that family atmosphere with marquee what, what yeah. is that been like for you being part of that community yeah, 100%. Uh, the support that I get, not just from Mike Santini and Mike McCarthy and everyone, but the text messages that I got um, from all of our staff, from producers to on-air talent, so Boog, JD, Taylor, um, just everyone. I mean, that's not even everyone. who Demp, you know, um, I felt that and I appreciated it so much. It meant so much to me um, before a big assignment and something that I was doing for the first time that just like Mike Santini said, you truly feel this is a family atmosphere um, and you become you hear like work family, you know, they truly become like your work family, but in sometimes it even feels more than that. Like just people who genuinely care about you. And that's what I felt that, um, they were rooting for me and, um, it was nice, uh, just to, to feel that. I and mean, that's probably even understating it. Cause even as I sit here, I mean, I'm genuinely just taking it in and I feel so lucky to work with people like that because it's a testament to, you know, the people that you work with, that they're good people. Um, and so I can't say enough about how much that meant to me. And, and yes, absolutely, definitely is a family atmosphere at Marquee. They, they were visibly, audibly very proud of you. I mean, I know that it was a, a whirlwind, as you said. Do you ever get nervous before broadcasts like that? I mean, I know as, you know as players, you do certain things to get yourself ready for a game and get rid of those nerves. As a broadcaster, it's a little bit different. You're not on the field. You're wearing different clothing. You're, you're not able to blast music in your ear. Um, do you get nervous before broadcasting? If you do, what do you do to combat that? Yeah, so before every... Anytime I go on air, I'm nervous, especially like right before, if you get the countdown or stuff, you start to get like the butterflies in your stomach. And then I think because of my playing days, uh, there are, well, one, I always say that you would tell yourself this, or I did at least when I played, if you're nervous, it means you care. And so I never tried to then build it up in the moment. I told myself, okay, let's acknowledge it. This means you care. That's a good thing. Now let's like handle it basically. And I'm thinking specifically when I would go up to the plate, like in RBI or clutch situations. Um, and I actually loved being up in those situations. And I really attribute, um, the success I had to tennis tennis for me was such more of a mental grind that when it came to the softball field and you had like your teammates backing you up, but you had that moment to just kind of center yourself. That's where the individual component kicked in. And, you know, you hear players talk a lot about breathing. I think it really is, you know, just making sure your heart rate stays down um, and not building up the moment. So in playing, it was focusing on the fundamentals, like nothing changes in that moment. You just have to keep doing what you're doing. And same thing on air, not building up the moment. You know, I always tell myself like right before, like, okay, you're just about to have a conversation, like just about to talk baseball. Like I don't like to build it up because then sometimes I feel like the nerves can just kind of persist. Um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, they don't happen. It's just, I think, like you said, it's really just about handling them and controlling them because it's kind of that adrenaline, adrenaline rush that I think we all like too, yeah. as part of this job. Absolutely. You know? 
Absolutely. So it makes it fun and exciting that you get those moments at work and it keeps it fresh. Well, you learn that breathing is not just an essential function of life for like lung. Right. It's like to keep right. it in frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, there's tricks that you pick up that I think is, if you're speaking in terms of like an athlete that work for you, because something that worked for me, I told you my teammates, you know, made fun of me. I would go to the plate and I talked to myself. I talked to my bat. I held it up in front of me and I, I'm a very visual person. So I like held my hand out to show myself the strike zone and no one else on my team is doing oh, that, but it worked for me. Uh, <laughs> Every time I'm visualizing it, you just like yelling at your bat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like whispering. It's like you're silently talking. I'm not like having a full blown conversation where everyone like the ump and the catch. I don't, I don't know which is fun. Are you whispering to your bat or are you yelling <laughs> at your bat? I think it's, it's, one of, you know, it's like one of those quiet conversations. It made sense. It still makes sense to me that I did this. It all makes complete sense. I mean, it obviously worked. Right. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yeah. it did. It's it's just about whatever gets you focused, because if there's anything that I've noticed about this job or when you play, you have to be so focused and any moment like any lapse um, is when typically stuff like breaks down. And so when you're at the plate like that's you have to be so locked in. Um, and that's when you hear like players, they love the crowd, but you'll hear them when they have to kind of like at times zone it out. It's because you have to just be so in the moment. And that's how you have your success is because it's fun to feed off the crowd. And then there's times you really just have to lock in. Yeah. Have that tunnel vision. Exactly. One final question before we let you duck out of here. And I think that I've actually been introducing you wrong this entire podcast. Oh. It could be Cornell University Athletic Hall of Famer, Elise. <laughs> this past year, you're going to be honored in upstate, upstate New York this coming fall. Hopefully it's not snowing there. Probably 50-50 chance it is. Uh, <laughs> September, come on. <laughs> so it, it'll be frost. Uh, first off, congratulations. That is, uh, that's a hell of an honor. That's really cool. Thank uh, you so much. Secondly, what was it like finding that out? Again, was it a phone call, an email, a letter? Uh, how did you find out and describe what you were feeling when you found out? Because I don't know if our listeners can see this. Elise has uh, some big red Cornell pride in her office with uh, like my nice little like video chat corner and yeah, two jerseys <laughs> hanging, uh, making You're like, sure this is your you know, Cornell shrine. <laughs> number forty-four. Um, yeah, but that's awesome. Um, Take us around, you found out. Yeah, it was a letter in the mail and uh, I didn't think anything of it. And thank goodness I read it and I didn't just like skim it and throw it out. I was in shock. I was in genuine shock. I had no idea. It was during the pandemic. And as you can imagine, like just with how life was over that year to get news like that. Um, oh, it was such a, you know, such an exciting moment. Again, I called my parents right away and uh, it was just, Nothing that I, it was never even on my radar, nothing I thought about, but I feel so honored. Um, I'm getting inducted with one of my teammates and we just um, had such a great, I say Cornell is the best four years of my life and I mean it. And so uh, we were on, you know, sure when you're inducted in the hall of fame, it's because, you know, of, of good numbers and individual um, accomplishments, but I see it as such a team accomplishment because I don't feel I would have been as successful if it wasn't for my teammates around me. Um, they were so fun. My best friend was um, still to this day. I was in her wedding. She was on my team. And so we're all, you know, we love going to weddings where you can see all of each other. It's like a little reunion. Uh, and that's for me. Anytime you hear an athlete say, what do you miss the most about playing? It's, it's 
the players, it's your teammates, it's the locker room and it's the truth because sure. I remember, you know, the one, if you want the one moment for me that sticks out on the field, it was when I hit the, uh, in the Ivy league championship game, I hit the game winning home run. You know, I, I have a lot of, I don't remember a lot. I, I, got, I, got, I got chills thinking about that. Yeah, so that for me will always stick out. Um, but again, it, I, I remember it for, you know, celebrating it with my team, like running, you know, as I'm rounding third and jogging home, just having your team there. And so, um, and again, it was about winning a championship with your team. So I think that's the, what I love about this sport. Yes, you have the individual component. I love the individual challenge, but you know you don't accomplish anything without the team. And so, uh, yeah, it just feels so special. And I'm so excited that we get to celebrate it because it got put off during the pandemic. Yeah, it was, doing yeah, it in person. Well, I mean, that's that's a yeah. pretty. Cool. Will your um will your teammates be there? Um, I don't know how many of them will be. Um, the one I mentioned, she will be, of course, because she's getting inducted as well. But. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think even uh, more of an unknown because we're just kind of, it feels like coming out of the pandemic. I don't even know how to describe this period that we're in. Um, but it is on homecoming weekend. So I hope to see, I've been back to Cornell in a while. And so, um, it'll be really, it'll be really fun. I get a huge smile on my face thinking about that experience. There. I can't believe they sent a letter. Like there's yes. modes of communication, like an email, a text, like a phone call. I mean, so it's true. What I rather like, I like the letter though. I look, I still have the paper planner, like the notebook. So of course I'm gonna, like, <laughs> I got a letter from Indiana university right now. I wouldn't open it. I'd throw it out because I think they, they're trying to get me to donate money. <laughs> right. But I feel like what if the email, like I'm just scrolling through my emails and then it's what if it goes in spam or something? I mean, at least you could control the subject. They could be like, Elise Meneker, Hall of Famer. You're like, I should probably open this up. Then what if I'm like, well, that's spam, obviously. <laughs> oh, no, I would much rather, I would be afraid that I'd miss that. I, that I would just like- No, I, trust me. My mail. I open every piece of mail just to skim it, make sure like I don't need it. And so then I kept reading. I was like, oh, like this is not just, yeah. You know, you get like the letter, update us, you know, on where you're at and stuff. But no, this was much different and much more than that. And so uh, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was like a college acceptance letter. Did it come in a packet or just like a small? No, letter? that's just it. It was like a little, it wasn't even the pack. Cause then, you know, like if you get the big packet, right? Like, oh, I think I got accepted. No, that means like you're <laughs> right. College. Uh, but this was a little letter, discreet, you know, like had no idea. Uh, so it was, but I even said that to my parents. I was like, thank gosh, I read this. Like, 100% thrown it out. So good <laughs> you to read your mail. Note to self fans, if you're listening in, read your read mail. Read your mail, right? You never know. That, that's the moral of the podcast. Well, Elise, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, working with you, and uh, we're really looking forward to working with you the rest of the season, broadcasting Iowa Cubs baseball, Marquee Sports Network. There should be a lot of fun. Likewise. Thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Elise Medeker, to Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Again, one more time for all past episodes, subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts as well as Amazon Music, or check us out online at iowacubs.com. Another episode of Unwritten Rules. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, guys.